Hey, everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing artists. And as always, I always say, we've got a great show for you today because you know what? Every artist is great that we bring on. They all are great in their own mind, in their own way. And today, we've got Chris Bandy coming on, and you know, he's done some great things. And we're definitely excited to hear parts of his story, tell some stories, and see where this goes. So, Chris, are you here? I am here. We're live. How are you? I'm doing great. And you know what? You got doing you great. got an advantage. You're Chris, like me. So Yes, this is gonna be real easy. Yeah. This is gonna be either very easy or very confusing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so as we go through this whole COVID right now, I always like to start to see how where, where artists' mind is. How are you doing personally right now? I mean, w- what's been going on with you in the middle of the COVID? We're doing well. You know, I I like to say we are healthy. We've got food on the table and a roof over our head every night. So it could be a lot worse. Um, I miss my band. I miss playing shows. But uh, it's been, you know, it's been nice to be home for a while. And really appreciate a lot of things that – Mm-hmm. You kind of lose sight of, mm-hmm. like, having some time off and being home and enjoying that time off with family and uh, my dogs, for one. I know that they are very, very excited that I've been home for the last <laughs> few months. <laughs> <laughs> so they probably miss you. Yes, they do. I, I bet they're probably thinking, when the heck are you going to go back to work right now? But uh, <laughs> but it's been it's been nice. You know, we're getting a lot of uh, things done around the house. I started – I never mm-hmm. in for the life of me thought that I would ever build anything. Um, I uh-huh. couldn't even fix a sandwich mm-hmm. before the quarantine. Um, and <laughs> Learning I, the skills. I did. I built a um, dog crate slash credenza, which also mm-hmm. before the uh, quarantine, I did not know what a credenza was. But we were looking online <laughs> – kept seeing them for mm-hmm. sale for like $2,000. And I was like, well, you know what? I think I'm going to try my hand and see if I could figure this out myself. So I kind of uh-huh. documented all of that from step one to uh, to its completion oh, wow. on my Instagram. But wow. it was fun learning a new skill. And uh, I started playing piano and trying to figure out how to, how to do that. And I'm by no means a uh, Ray Charles or anything, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, kind of figuring my way around a keyboard. That's pretty. And, you know, one of the questions I always ask is what, what, what are some hobbies you do outside of music? And you're kind of hitting a little bit. So what are some things you do do outside of music, other outside what you've already said, you know, that kind of help keep that balance? Because, again, even though it's your passion, you still got to have something to keep you well-balanced. Absolutely. Golf. I love playing golf. Oh, I'm, wow. not, uh, I'm not the greatest golfer out there, but I enjoy <laughs> going out as – as often Mm -hmm. as I can. Um, And I actually just picked it up maybe two years ago. Uh, This is my second year really playing. And somebody was telling me, like you said, you need a hobby that is not Mm. in music, that is completely different from music, that you can kind of shut that part of your brain off for a little bit and not think about it. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I got invited to a golf tournament last January, January of 2019, um, and somebody called me up and they said, hey, do you want to go play golf for three days in the Bahamas? And (laughs) if anybody offers you three days in the Bahamas, no matter what you're doing, I'm probably going to say yes. Um, (laughs) So we went out there, and it was the the web.com tour at the time, (laughs) and I was um, so bad. Everybody was so much better than me. And I'm just one of those persons that – one of those people that I will not be the worst at something, and I think I get that from my dad. And mm-hmm. so when I got back to Nashville, I started taking lessons. I started going oh, you know, wow. three times a week just playing and went and bought some, some brand-new golf clubs because I had hand-me-down golf clubs that I had bought used prior to that. And I just uh, you know started hitting the ground running, and it has been a – it is – I don't want to say it has, um, you know, taken my life over, but it is it is right yeah. on the verge of it. <laughs> and that's good that you're doing that because, you know, you really don't want to burn out. You, you don't want your passion to become a nightmare. 
Right. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so what would you say is something unusual about you that people wouldn't know? Oh, man. Um, I – I graduated. I've I've lived in three different very very musical cities, states slash cities. Oh, wow. um, mm-hmm. Grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. We have a huge music scene in St. Louis. Um, Chuck mm-hmm. Berry, Nelly, uh, a lot a lot of blues in St. Louis. And then I moved down to Mississippi to go to school when I was eighteen. And Mississippi is just known for their blues music and being the birthplace of, of blues music, Mississippi, and on the Delta into Memphis, um, and really, really immersed myself in that. We used to go to – there's a place called Clarksdale, Mississippi, that has the Juke Joint Festival that uh, mm-hmm. is just – it's like Bonnaroo with blues music, and um, – then when I when I graduated, mom and dad's stipulation was I needed to get a degree. And as soon as I get in my, I, as soon as I got my degree, um, I got to move wherever I wanted and found this magical place called Nashville. That uh, you know people didn't look at you like you were crazy when you told them that you wanted to write songs for a living and, yeah. and play music. So I moved up here six days after graduation, and I've never looked back a day in my life. Wow. And, and, you know, talking about the people looking funny at you, even though we're hosts, they do that with us, too. I mean, right. You know, we're chasing the same dream. Y'all are just on a different platform. And absolutely. So so people here locally in Savannah, a lot of times they're like, what are you doing? But yet people in Nashville, <laughs> oh, y'all are awesome. You know, <laughs> you know in fact, oh, yeah. people in Nashville are so awesome. Next year we're moving there. <laughs> There you go. There you we go. need to be by yeah, our I people. I love Savannah. <laughs> we we, we, we need to Savannah. be by I our think, people. And, uh-huh. Absolutely. One of our first shows ever, the, our first weekend out mm. actually as a band, um, Saturday night we played in Savannah, Georgia. At, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so we played right down on River Street, and it was – we had – I was so hard-headed going into this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I am going to play my own songs. Doesn't matter how long mm-hmm. the set is. If it's two hours, I'm playing two hours of my own set. I'll maybe throw in a cover if I feel like it. But I just want to play my own music. And we yeah. had a show at Saddlebags down in Savannah, and um, yeah. we had played two nights prior. And on stage, luckily I had phenomenal musicians around me because on stage that night we made a set list basically with like 90% covers because that was what the right. crowd wanted. And I'd look at my guitarist <laughs> and call out a song and a key and look at my bassist and we just figured it out on the fly. And it was, that's one oh, of those wow. moments that I will never forget. So that was kind of a defining moment uh, in a way. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. And um, usually you kind of did a brief overview, but I think you can expand a little more. One of the things I usually ask at the beginning, and I'll ask now, is um, tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and a, just a small brief overview. And like I said, you gave a small brief overview, but I think let's hit that a little bit. You know, absolutely. A little yeah, more I grew up, so people, because I like to know the person. Absolutely, yeah. I grew up. Um, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, went to grade school, high school in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. Um, I kind of I like to joke about this. I kind of always knew that I wanted to do music. I just didn't really know how you go about how? doing it. So, so yeah. in kindergarten, you know, when the teacher would say, okay, I need you to draw what you want to be when you grow up. Um, kids <laughs> next to me were drawing doctors and lawyers and, and firefighters mm-hmm. and policemen, and mine was just a guy with a guitar. Um, oh, wow. So I always really knew that I wanted to do something in music. It's where my heart always was. My dad loves music. Uh, we used to ride around. Mm-hmm. He had a a car that we would go every Saturday, we would go to a CD warehouse and you'd let me pick out one used CD and one new CD. And we would listen to it, you know, top <laughs> to bottom uh, without skipping uh-huh. any songs. And I think that's where my first love for music came in. And I was in bands in high school, uh, was in a band my junior and senior year, but it wasn't really the music that I wanted to do. It was, it was rock music, but, mm-hmm. um, 
I just knew that I loved being on stage. I loved performing and being in front of people. Um, and the band broke up when we all ultimately went to college and I moved down to Mississippi mm-hmm. for college. I went to Ole Miss and um, I started playing in first, I started playing in my dorm room and it was kind of fun. We'd have, mm-hmm. you know, I'd leave the dorm room open and kids from down the hall would yeah. come and we'd, it would be oh, like wow. a live karaoke. People would call out songs. <laughs> I'd look them up on my computer and start playing the chords and singing and everybody would just join in and sing. And it was a lot of fun. And then playing in the fraternity house and stuff like that. And then I found out that, you know, bars don't necessarily check your ID and they let you, uh, they let you drink keg beer for free if you uh, play music at the bars. <laughs> so the first one I did was a open mic night at a place called Soulshine Pizza. And mm-hmm. I invited all of my friends out. I think we maybe had, you know, 80 to 100 people out there. And oh, wow. the the guy who was hosting it came up to me and he said, hey, man, I was going to have you go first. But uh, since you brought all these people out, do you think maybe you want to play last and play all night long or as long as you want to? <laughs> I said, absolutely. Oh, wow. So my friends stayed in there all night, um, which led to them actually <laughs> getting rid of their open mic nights on Thursday nights. And I got to play there every Thursday night, and we were bringing people in. So I went to, you know, another bar down the street, and I was like, hey, on Thursday night, we bring in, you know, 100 to 120 people now, 150 people every Thursday night. I was like, do you think this is something that we can try out at your bar on a Monday? You don't need to pay Mm -hmm. me the first night. We'll just see if we can get people in. We'll drink for free. Um, And so that led to Mm – I did that on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night was already playing Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday. And I was just playing all of the different bars in Oxford, Mississippi. Um, oh, wow. And all of my friends were coming out, and it was it was amazing. And we were probably making more money than any 21-year-old should should make, uh, playing <laughs> 250 bucks a night. And believe it or not, the rent in Mississippi is not, uh, is not that bad. Um, yeah. my, one of my roommates was my merch guy. We had no merch. My other roommate was my manager. We had nothing to manage, but since they were part of the team, they got to drink for free as well. So, uh, that led to me going to Starkville, Mississippi, where Mississippi state is playing some fraternity parties and stuff. We got to open up for sister Hazel one time. Um, oh, wow. and then I found out that there was this, you know, place called Nashville and I would spend some weekends <laughs> mm-hmm. driving up to Nashville and sitting in on some of the open mic nights and some of the riders rounds mm-hmm. and stuff like that because I kind of knew mm-hmm. that this is where I, I wanted to move after graduation. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to get my feet wet, meet as many people as I could, um, try to yep, expand my circle. Network, exactly. And uh, mm-hmm. I would come back to uh, to Oxford, go to class when um, when I had class and then play at night and then on the weekends, I'd start moving up or driving up more regularly to to Nashville. And uh, oh, wow. somewhere between my senior year and my second senior year, um, I uh, I spent it all in Nashville, just like you said, trying to to market and network. And mm-hmm. um, went back, graduated, and six days later, I I made the move to Nashville. Wow. So, wow. so your start really is grassroots. I mean, it's as grassroots as you get. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's really the best because, you know, let's face it, when there's a grassroots thing going, they're loyal. Right, which is which is amazing. And we've seen that firsthand. Uh, you know, our first lease of Man Up Now, we were playing – Every single weekend, I think the year that we put it out, we had Thanksgiving off and Christmas off. And I remember we just put it out because we were playing all these shows and really didn't have anywhere to direct Mm -hmm. anybody other than, Mm -hmm. hey, go like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. (laughs) And so we just knew that we had to get music out so people could, after a show, listen to us or if they wanted to, tell their friends about it or listen to it in their car. Uh, So – we just threw man enough now online with no plan, no management, no um, <laughs> publishing deal, no record deal, nothing. We just uh, first yeah, uh, more than five I mean, how at all. This is my first release 
reaching out into the world. And I remember calling mm-hmm. my friend who uh, was my booking agent at the time, and I was like, hey, yeah, you're so, you're breaking up a little uh, bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so I I asked my booking uh, agent okay, at the are. time. I said, I said, uh, you know, is five thousand streams good? Is should we have gotten more? Should we have gotten less? And he said, you did five thousand in one day. And I said, yeah. He said, that's wow, great. That's yeah. amazing. And it was from those fans that we had, you know. Um, gotten while we were out on the road playing all of these shows mm-hmm. and visiting all of these cities. Mm-hmm. You here? Yes, sir. Okay, there. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, yeah. went, I thought it was, you, you know, when it comes to technology, you just never know. True. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been known to cover that. my microphone or my my uh, yeah my microphone as well with my pinky, so I'm trying to uh, to keep it off of my phone as we talk. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> see, see, people can definitely know we're live because again, you know, we just let it go how it goes, and you know what we. Enjoy I love that it. Though. I love Absolutely. it. So what you know as you're growing now, what what's that inner thing that drives you at this point? I think one of the biggest things, and I think just from a standpoint of songwriting, um, that's what I, I mm-hmm. just fell in love with. I've always wanted to do because growing up, music was one of those things that you could turn to when you're upset and it can make you happy. Mm. Or, you know, oh, yeah. if you just go through a breakup, you can listen to a sad song and get more depressed. Um, and it's one of those things where there's a song for everything. And, I think one of the biggest things for me is when somebody comes up after a show and says how much they have related to a song or how much it has helped them in a time of need. And that honestly Mm -hmm. is one of the biggest compliments anybody could ever pay me. And that I think is just so genuine. And just to think that, that something that I've experienced or gone through is helping somebody else out because we're saying it in a way that they can relate to and they can listen to Mm -hmm. and think, hey, I'm not the only one who's gone through this. Mm -hmm. Somebody else has as well. That's just like um, Cash has a song called Broken Roses. And I remember listening to that song, and it just made me bawl by the end because it's about addiction. I went through 19 years of addictions until I feel like God healed me 12 years ago. And, oh, and I remember going through the song. It was about, you know, about a, I think it was a husband and wife kind of fighting all the time. That's how, you know, and all that. And it brought back my memories here uh, of 12 years ago and all that. And but I had a different ending than the song because when you're watching the video at the very end, he walks over to a bridge and he's gone. And then it talks about being the ghost in her life. And. It just brought me because I would, because I remember December twenty six two thousand seven, I pleaded with God to heal, to, to take the desires away from me. Well, I was taking my life. I mean, I was ready to end it all. And I and it, and it brought me back to that moment where I was like, whoa, because I could have made that decision, but I didn't. Right. Well, hey, twelve years sober. Congratulations. That is huge. Well, thanks. You know, it's been a blessing because now we got an eight-year-old, which you'll hear from him later because we always he always asks one question on each oh, artist. Oh, I love and it. it. And then we've got a 15-month-old, which when she gets older, we'll plug her in too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you, you just kind of breathed over affair. that. That is a huge accomplishment, 12 years. Congrats. Well, thanks. It's, you know, especially after 19 years of it, you know. That's... Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat> So as you look at your life so far career-wise, when you look back, what are some moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that? I mean, just some highlights. I think one of the most recent is we just made our Grand Ole Opry debut in February before everything shut down. Um, Wow. It was everything I'd ever dreamed of. It was incredible. Um, just 
moving to Nashville, it was, I never really grew up listening to the Grand Ole Opry every Saturday, but you just yeah. know the history. Um, you mm-hmm. know how many people that I grew up listening to have played that stage and have gone on to become members of the Grand Ole Opry. Um, it was, it's the pinnacle of country music and to be able to walk mm-hmm. out onto that stage and stand in that circle and look out into what the crowd. What was that feeling? When you were there and you got to that circle, at oh, yeah. that moment, what went through your head? So I remember everybody that whole day was just telling me to to breathe and take it all in. <laughs> so when they uh, – I mean, I don't think I've ever been more nervous in my life. Um, they said my name, and I swear to you, the people in the front row could probably see my heart beating out of my chest. Um, uh-huh. Walk to walk to the front of the stage, stood outside of the circle, and kind of looked down, took a deep mm-hmm. breath, looked out into the crowd, and walked in, and all of the nerves just kind of went away. Um, and it was – I knew. was there in that moment at that time <laughs> – and I looked back at my drummer, and I gave him the nod to kick it off, and it was incredible. It is something I hope we get to do many, many more times, but I will yeah. never, yeah. ever forget my first time. Yeah, because it's just like even with our show, you know, I still get nervous before we start the show. In fact, that's why I like to have people call in early so that we can talk a little bit, because that kind of yep. helps me some. And, Absolutely. But, yeah. but still, I get, I get nervous, and but once once – it, it count does that countdown that you heard five four three two one on the countdown clock once and again probably my heart's beating the most during those five seconds but once it's set once you hear the beep I'm in a zone I just it's game go. time and yeah because yeah. I have no choice it's we're right. live <laughs> I can't just say oh let's start over <laughs> no. <laughs> but I like that you know. I want the raw. Some I've got friends of mine that say, "How do you do it live?" I can't imagine not doing it live, especially now. You're our 127th interview live, and I just I think the rawness of live is where I I think is great because you never know where the show is going to go. You have to right. let it go where it goes because there is no like, um, can you hold that thought because I can cut. This. <laughs> There's there no commercial break. Yep. You know, yeah. There, there's a small commercial break later in the show, okay. but uh, outside, outside of that, that's it. that and, and that's mm-hmm. when we play a song too. But outside of that, there is no break. There is there is no hold that thought, and, and I try to guide you another direction. Nope. Wherever yep. they go, wow. I go with them. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I that's that. it fresh though. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't yeah, have I any think... other way. It, it, it's exhilarating. Yeah, I think the, the nerves are good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, let you know you still you still you still care you still about. It, I think it. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had a friend of mine that you're, since you're talking about that, I had a friend of mine who's a public speaker, and that's always been my dream. So I'm still getting to live out my dream, but just a different platform. But he's a public speaker, and he's he's spoken in front of twenty plus thousand people at a time, and I and I've asked him. Um, does he still get? Does he get nervous? And he says, "Yeah, I get butterflies every, every time." He goes, "Their lives are in my hands. I have to move that crowd." He goes, "The day that I don't get butterflies is the day I quit." Yep, I believe it because you know, especially something like mm-hmm. like music and podcasts and doing mm-hmm. stuff like this, you don't want it to be robotic. You know, you don't want it yeah. to be something that you aren't thinking about that you're just going through the motions because then it loses yeah. its allure. It loses the passion. Um, so yeah, I still get nervous before, before every show, my hands start sweating. Um, but I think they're good nerves. They're like, let's do this. Yeah. That's awesome. Now that we talked about some highs, um, I always like to flip the script and go the other way. Cause I think that, because a lot of people, they see the glory of the artist, but they don't see the grind. They don't right. see the sacrifices. They don't see the struggles. And so, so people, when they sometimes when people step into this arena, they think, oh, all I got to do is sing. 
And we, me and oh, you yeah. both know if that's what they believe, they'll, they won't be long. You know, they'll be right. quitting. So I'd like to take right. some moments mm-hmm. to talk about the other side of it, and I'll tell a story that will help lead us where I want this to go. Back in 2014, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls, and at that time, they were full-time with, with music. And one of the questions I asked her was, what advice would you give an up-and-coming artist? She said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time. She says, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, go do that and keep music as a hobby. She goes, because once you make it a career or you're trying to make it a career, it's a game changer. You have to think, eat, sleep different. You have to be different. You're, you have to sacrifice different. He says, we don't get to take birthdays off. We don't get to take holidays off. We don't get to go spend all this time with other people. If I have a bad day today, doesn't matter. I got a gig tonight. I got to get up there and smile like there's no tomorrow. She said, but if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in because the only way those kind of sacrifices will ever be worth it. What do you yep. think of what she said? And let's go there I, a little bit. I completely agree. Um, it was. I, I was joking with somebody the other day, saying, you know, if I knew all that it takes to uh, to quote unquote make it, I might have been a, an accountant <laughs> or something like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, you you miss birthdays, you miss holidays, you miss best friends' weddings um, because mm-hmm. we don't get weekends off. Um, weekends are almost ninety percent of buddy. our yes, they're they're ninety percent of our job. Um, so I miss you know best friends' weddings. I've missed parents' birthdays, um, grandparents' birthdays, cousins' birthdays, and stuff like that. So that is definitely one of the sacrifices. But I remember one story very vividly. Mm. Um, it was when we were out on the road, when we, I had been in Nashville maybe three years before we had put out any music or anything, but we were on the road constantly. Um, I remember being at a bar here in Nashville and having to check my bank account online before I bought another cheap Natty Light just to see if I had enough money in there to cover my bar tab that night. Um, and I remember yeah. it so vividly because I think I had, mm. I think I had a dollar seventeen in my bank account oh, wow. at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was lucky that I was I was paying my rent and stuff like that, but all the extracurriculars um, were definitely not there. But I, I remember yeah. I think I was with two of the guys in my band. Um, and we were we were out at Tin Roof down on Demumbrian here in Nashville. And I was getting ready to buy another beer, and and I couldn't um, because I would have overdrafted and then owed thirty five dollars on top of what I overdrafted. And yeah. I think it was yeah. six or seven months later when we we put out Man Enough Now, and uh, mm-hmm. and it really you know there's a saying in Nashville that three minutes can change your life. And I always thought it was so cliche and so, Uh um, for lack of a better word, kind of stupid. I I thought there's no way three minutes can change your life until I saw it Mm -hmm. firsthand completely change mine. Because without that song, I wouldn't have had a publishing deal. I wouldn't have ultimately Mm -hmm. had my record deal. Uh, We wouldn't be playing all of these shows. I probably wouldn't have had an opportunity to put out more music because that in mm-hmm. turn paid for, you know, studio time and producer fees and stuff like that to put more music out into the world. Yeah. And, and you know, I love it when the show kind of goes on a certain path. You know, it's almost like I plan it, but I don't. But, you know, because this was about the time I was going to take a quick commercial break and then play that song, Man Enough Now. I just love it. Love it when that happens. <laughs> so, yeah, we're oh, yeah. a quick bre- so we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to play your song, and we're going to come back and talk about it. How does that sound? Absolutely. That's perfect. 
Bye. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called the Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. I was scared. I wasn't quite ready yet. Didn't want let my freedom get too far away So I would say anything To keep you just close enough Like I need a little space to breathe A little time for me to think I just need you to wait for me But you weren't waiting for me To grow up, get myself together Stop giving you the run around Running from forever I've learned a lot about life since then. I can't go back. Girl, I hate that. You fell in love with the kid trying to figure it out. Cause I'm man enough now. So close to letting it slip through your fingers Yeah, you gotta learn the hard way Once you do, you start to look back on All the things that you should've, would've, could've done That you never thought that I would Great Thank song. you so much. That was, you know, so tell us the story behind the song. How did that come about? So I actually, I wrote that song with Jason Massey and Jason Duke. And um, it was one of the first times that I'd written with Jason Duke. And Jason Massey and I had started writing a little bit before that because he was a signed songwriter, a publisher that I was, I was taking meetings at the time with. Um, he had just signed there. And I feel like the publisher kind of put me with their new guy because they thought, you know, if it works out, we're going to be geniuses. And if it doesn't, <laughs> our new guy just had a bad right with somebody that's unsigned. Um, oh, so wow. we had, 
I think that was the second song that Jason Massey and I had written together and the first song that Jason mm-hmm. Duke and I had written together. Um, and I had been thinking about a relationship that I was in in college and I was a young, dumb 21 year old kid and, and made mistakes that, you know, a lot of young, dumb 21 year old guys make. And I wasn't really ready for a relationship at that time. But fast forward a few years later, I felt like, you know, I'd learned a little bit about relationships and love and life. And Mm -hmm. I felt like I was man enough now for a relationship. And so I brought that title into the Jasons and they loved Mm -hmm. it. And we, it was one of those things that one of those songs that we kind of just, everything fell out in the room and we were done. We were done in probably an hour and a half. And we just oh, yeah. knew that we had something very, very special. Um, and I, when I moved to Nashville, growing up in, in St. Louis, you know, it's not really the country music capital of the world, um, believe mm-hmm. it or not. But when I moved to town, everybody told me to write my truth and write things that I know about. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, I, you know, we weren't writing songs about big jacked up trucks <laughs> or, or tr- riding around in tractors <laughs> on dirt roads uh-huh. and stuff like that. But I grew up yeah. loving country music, mm-hmm. and I knew that it's the only music that I wanted to play. And so mm-hmm. I started telling my truth in the lyrics of, you know, not just this song, but all the songs that I was writing. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. when everything really started to click and connect, um, not just with the people that I was writing with, but also the people that were listening to the songs as well. And, yeah, mm-hmm. we just, you know, we threw this song up with, honestly no plan at all i had a really good friend of mine who is a music video director who directed the music video and we didn't have any money at the time so i was like hey how how cost effectively can we make this music video so we borrowed his girlfriend's sister's jeep um got an airbnb in gatlinburg and shot the video um and we really just with with no plan just put it out online mm-hmm. and people started listening to it. They started sharing it with their friends and family and, and coming oh, to wow. shows and requesting it. Um, at the beginning of the shows just started <clears throat> yelling man enough now and man enough now and singing <laughs> every word back to us. And it was really, it's, it's been so special to see this song come to life. That is really, I love stories like that. Cause you know, that, that's the thing about music, you know, almost every big artist, they had that moment where it's like, is it ever going to work? Are we ever going to have that breakthrough? And then that one song comes that just raises them to a whole new level. Yes, sir. And it sounds like that that's what this one's done for you. For you. you know, I mean, we feel the same way with, with our show. You know, it's like we, we put in the work, we're putting the work, we're putting the work. You know, and we know that eventually <laughs> we're going to go to a Bobby Bones level, a Ty right. level. That's our mm-hmm. ultimate. That's our ultimate vision is is to be like a Bobby Bones but a married couple. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> now, as you know, um, one of the things that people don't see, uh, they see the artist in you, in Blake, in Miranda, and all that. But they don't really see the team behind them. You know, the team gets no cre- credit in most cases. So we like to always allow the artists to take up a few minutes and just, you know, talk about the team. Because, again, me and you both know that without your team, you can't do what you need to do. I mean, when you're first beginning, you're the team. But as you grow, right. if you don't have a team, you ain't growing. So take a couple minutes just to tell everybody, you know, from your PR to producers to whatever, you know, whoever you want to talk about. But uh, tell us who who helps you be who you are. Absolutely. Yeah, I could probably spend the whole podcast just bragging (laughs) about my team. Mm -hmm. Um, I honestly feel like one of the luckiest guys in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Um, I got lucky from the get-go. A kid that I went to college with, he moved to Nashville about the same time that I did. Mm -hmm. And he went into the booking world. And I went into the songwriting artist part of the world Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we, we connected again. We knew who each other were in college, but not, 
not we were acquaintances, but not really friends. Yeah. And yeah, we're reacquainted through a mutual friend here in Nashville, and he started throwing me some gigs. His name is Brendan Rich, and uh, when he started working at the booking agency, he was like, "Hey." Do you want to go play this $250 show in Athens, Georgia? Do you want to go play this show here? Do you want to go play this show here? And I said, absolutely. So everything that he would throw me, we'd go play. Mm -hmm. And it started out with me and five guys in a Chevy Tahoe and a trailer just playing all of these shows. (laughs) um, He used used to throw us all of these shows, and he would say, okay – I'm getting you in on a Wednesday night for 250 bucks, but the guy that owns the bar that he's going to have also owns the big bar in Savannah. So he's going to have you play 45 minutes outside of Savannah. To kind of, it's kind of a tryout. And if he likes you, he's going to have you yeah. back to his big bar mm-hmm. in Savannah on a Friday or Saturday night for more months. So the first year was us going out on the road playing for little to no money, uh, mm-hmm. three to four hours every single night and just trying to make it work in hopes that they would invite us back and play a bigger night. But that led to us playing Masters Weekend in Augusta, Georgia. It led to us playing, I think, three years in a row we played St. Paddy's Day in Savannah. It led to New Year's Eve shows and just stuff like that where Mm -hmm. we were coming back and we were playing some of the biggest. And it was amazing because – I guess six months after he started kind of sliding me these gigs under the table, I signed with his booking agency, which was Paradigm at the time. He -hmm. then later uh, moved to UTA, and I just kind of followed him um, to UTA. (laughs) And he came to me, I think, November of 2018 and said, I feel like I've hit my ceiling in booking and it's not where I see my career going. Um, yeah. He wanted to make the leap into management. And the whole time, I kind of knew that he was going to be a manager. <laughs> I tried. We had no money, but I was like, hey, man, please, will you be my manager? Please, because you're the <laughs> only one that I've met that has kind of you know, seen my vision, and we've worked together for so long. But he came to me, and the first act that they were signing – at that time was Jimmy Allen, uh, who has oh, had wow. Oh, wow. immense success. Uh, fast forward a few months, and they signed uh, Matt Stell. And oh, then wow. last summer, actually at Brendan's baby shower, I got to meet Ash Bowers, who was the head of the management company. And we sat and talked for about you know, 30, 45 minutes, not really – I thought we were just, you know, shooting the breeze and, and chatting a little mm-hmm. bit. But that next week they called me um, that they wanted to have a meeting. And I came in and they said, uh, you know, we've seen what you've been doing. Brendan's been working with you for such a long time. We think this would be a great match. We've got Jimmy up and running. He's wow. doing really well right now. Matt's working on his first number one right now. I think it was in the top ten at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. mm-hmm. they said, we're, you know, we're looking for, for one more artist to, uh, to work with. Yeah. And they said, but with that, we have also become really good friends with Barry Weiss in New York City, who Matt is signed oh, wow. up with. Um, mm-hmm. And they said, so uh, as, as well as management, uh, we think we could have a record deal on the table, you know, in the oh, next wow. couple of weeks. And so it doesn't really happen like <laughs> that. I, I thought they were crazy. Um, I'd been in this town for a, a long time at that point, and I was like, okay, I'll I'll believe it when I see it. And so Barry, who runs Records, which is a uh, under the Sony umbrella under or in New York, mm-hmm. he flew in. I think we had this meeting on a Friday. Barry flew in on Tuesday. And by that Thursday, I had a record deal in my lawyer's inbox. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, and, and one thing I'd like to add to what you just said, a lot of people would see that as well, an overnight success. But if they heard your story <laughs> here that we've been talking about, you know, even though, like you said, it just don't happen that fast. But in right. reality, it didn't happen that fast. 
everything that you've done up to this point led to that one moment. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, I think this was in my seventh year in Nashville and we had been out playing shows for, as a band playing shows for six years at that point. Um, And that's excluding all of the, the acoustic stuff that I would go do. Um, Because when I first moved Mm -hmm. to Nashville, I never wanted to do anything other than music. So I was very lucky that I had built relationships with the bars in Mississippi, the bars back home in St. Louis, and uh, just right across the river in Illinois. And so if I needed to pay rent, I would just call them up and say, hey, can I play Thursday through Saturday um, and just get a little bit of cash? And I'd come back to Nashville, Mm -hmm. pay my rent, and then write, 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 go back out, (laughs) play Thursday through Saturday, pay my rent. And mm-hmm. so continue that yeah. on. And it was uh mm-hmm. yeah, so it was it was seven years of being in Nashville, probably ten years of playing almost mm-hmm. every single night. Um Wow. And so yeah, with with everything and so Barry flew in, we had the record deal, had my lawyers look over it, and Man Enough Now had been out online for about two years at this point Mm -hmm. and they had just seen how it was reacting and how well it was doing with people listening to it and saving it and just continuing to listen to it and the the research that was on that song and we just knew that it was it had to be the first single and so yeah uh through this i had signed my i guess a year before this i had signed my publishing deal at bmg uh which got mom and dad off my back a little bit because I had a, a real paying nine to five job. So I got to, to write songs for a living and make a little bit of money doing that and then playing all the mm-hmm. shows. And so it's been, uh, Brendan's been with me since, you know, since I really got to Nashville and the fact that we still get to work together um, <laughs> is incredible. He's, he's one of my best friends. I trust him with my life and it's been so mm-hmm. awesome being able to work with him in this capacity as well. That is really awesome. Now, what do your parents think of what's going on with you? Oh, they love it. They are the proudest parents in the world. My <laughs> dad uh, shares every single one of my tweets. Um, I'm pretty sure he has a, a email blast to all of his friends <laughs> anytime we're releasing a new song or something. Um, so they mm. have been nothing but supportive. It's been incredible to have them on this this journey. Um, so tell us a parent story where, where they, now granted what you, it sounds like they go above and beyond all the time, but tell us a yes, story where, where they went above and beyond and you were like, wow, they get it. They get that. This is my passion. I think it was, you know, they, they helped me out a lot. If there was, mm-hmm. when I first moved to Nashville, I had no, credit, mm-hmm. absolutely no credit. Um, they paid for my college, which I was am forever grateful for because I have friends now that are still, you know, knee deep in in student debt. So it was yeah. amazing that they were able to do that for me. So I got to come out of out of college debt free, and I will forever be thankful for them for that or to them for that. But when I moved to town and we started taking these trips out, playing all these shows, I couldn't get a credit mm-hmm. card to save my life. And so what we did for the first, shoot, two years until I kind of was able to get my own credit card, um, mm-hmm. mom and dad gave me a credit card, and I would pay oh, wow. them back every month. I would keep tabs mm-hmm. on what we spent on hotels, what we spent on gas, what we spent, you know, to the to the cent. And every month I would yeah. write them a check afterwards uh, and, and send it to them. Um, so that really helped me get off the ground running that they were able to front that money. They were pretty much my bank at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad ran my books until I got a business manager. Oh, wow. Um, he was, he's a very, very smart man. And he, he retired when I was in still in college. <laughs> so every weekend after a show or after a weekend, I would um, send him, you know, gas receipts, and hotel mm-hmm. receipts and everything like that, and he kept it all perfectly um, in mm-hmm. line and made sure all my taxes were filed on time and all of that stuff. And it was wow. funny when I first started taking meetings with uh, business managers, 
I would mm-hmm. show them the Excel sheet that my dad had built, <laughs> and they would kind of laugh, and they'd be like, you really – do you need us? We've never had an artist come in with this <laughs> detailed of a report. Um, oh, usually wow. it's just a few receipts here good, and there. Huh? He, was, he was phenomenal. So I kind of joked that if he ever needed – you know, wanted to come out of retirement <laughs> and needed a job, he uh, he's probably got one here at a business management firm now, in Nashville. Now, did he ever – did he ever look at your bank account and tell you, you're making this thing work? <laughs> there was not necessarily. Um, there yeah. were points where he was looking at, you know, how much – he still looks at how much – how many streams we get a day on yeah. all of the platforms, yeah. how many, you know, radio stations mm-hmm. have added us mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So he still looks at those and – figured out how much money I should be making based on the streams, how much money I should be making <laughs> oh, based wow. on radio play like st- and stuff like that. Um, so mm. he was, he was great with that and had a lot of free time on hand awesome. to, to research and everything <laughs> just to make sure that, that I was, uh, you know, getting what, what I was supposed to be getting. That is really awesome. And I always like to lead in from there because I always have the artists talk about their family a little bit because, perfect segment to bring our little eight-year-old on. Like I said, we're a family affair. Absolutely. And we always bring him on to ask one question, so Sandy's going to get him on real quick. But yeah, when Caitlin gets old enough, she'll, we'll plug her in too. Cause we, there you, you go. Know, we want this to be a family business. I love it. Okay, okay here's Christopher. How are How you, bud? What's your favorite food? My favorite food is seafood. Any type of yeah. seafood, I am... 100% in on. I love shrimp. I love mahi mahi. Um, mm. Even if you throw a little bit of little bit of rice and roll it up, I love sushi as well. So any type of fish. Hmm. And what's yours, though, Chris? Yeah, what's pizza. your favorite food? Pizza. Now, pizza was my second favorite. <laughs> yeah, he could eat pizza all day long. <laughs> What's they your favorite to topping on pizza? Oh, he's already off, but he would be, he'd be pepperoni. <laughs> he, pepperoni. He comes and goes. Yeah. <laughs> he comes and goes oh, yeah. quick, but he but he um would be upset if he wasn't on. There have been a few times where artist has to leave early in the middle of mm-hmm. the show. Oh man! And um and he so and he, he would be up there like, hey, buddy, well, what happened to my yeah. question? Because I always well, I'm his glad he got one in. What, what, because I always yeah, try to I save it to where it's about it, 10 to 15 minutes left at the show. So, Gawi, I know how timed I am. And about 10, 15 minutes <laughs> mm-hmm. left of the show is when I bring him on to ask his question. And, you know, yes. and it works out good. Um, but every now and then, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I should bring him at the beginning. But I, I like, I think, you know, sometimes we dig so deep that it's better that him coming on when he does helps break it up a little bit. Yes, it does. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I've always been taught that if you want to inspire purpose and passion into your kids, then have them watch you um, ch- chase yours. Because again, they have a front row seat to, to us, and that's what we're Absolutely. trying to do with them. Absolutely. <clears throat> so uh, you know, so if you could co-write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, and what would you wa- what would you want to write about? Ooh. I would love, and I think it's just because when I was in college, I love it. I love this song by When I was in college, I got to see Eric Church kind of rise mm-hmm. to stardom. Um, we oh, would yeah. go see him live. I think the first time I saw him in Oxford, Mississippi, he had maybe 250 people there. Uh, the oh, next wow. time he came through um, – maybe 700, and then the next time he came through, he <laughs> sold the place out. Uh, so <laughs> mm-hmm. I kind of felt like we were along for the ride. Um, yeah. As he navigated the music industry and out on top. So I think it would be amazing to write. And I love his songwriting. I love how he crafts such mm-hmm. amazing lyrics that I'd love to even just be a fly on a wall during one of his songwriting yeah, sessions awesome. and see how his, how his mind works. So that one I would have loved to have written with John Prine. Um, mm-hmm. 
he was another one of those just wordsmiths that makes it seem so easy, even though mm-hmm. it's so intellectual, if that makes sense. Is there a song out there that you've heard? It could be current. It could be from years ago. It don't matter. But is there a song that you, you've heard and you've said to yourself, wow, I wish I wrote that? Walking in Memphis. I think oh, I Walking in Memphis is my favorite song ever. Um, my dad had that CD, and we listened to it. We probably burned a hole in that thing just from listening to it over and over again. Um, it's a song that always reminds me of him and just of a simpler time being a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, that song is is incredible. And I actually got to go to Memphis this year to visit St. Jude oh, wow. and take the tour of St. Mm-hmm. Jude, which was incredible. And if you ever get the chance to do it, I would highly, highly recommend it. That would it. be awesome. Um, you know, we yeah. were staying at the Peabody, mm-hmm. and one of the – the guys working the door kind of gave us a tour mm-hmm. of the hotel and oh, wow. was pointing at everything. And <laughs> it all made sense. And every single lyric in that song, I think was a part of this tour because he was talking about oh, wow. everything from top to bottom. And it was just incredible mm-hmm. to see it firsthand. <laughs> that, that's a really cool thing. Um, now I'm about to ask a question. A certain, the reason I ask it in this way of a purpose, and I'll tell the purpose right after I ask the question, but if you had okay. a magic wand and, and what you're about to say would 100% come true, where do you want to be in five years? And the reason I'm asking it in that way is this past February made the five-year anniversary, that same question to Kelsey Ballerini. Now, we've looked at you, and we've looked, remember, with her, she was about where you are right now when we interviewed her which is a pretty cool coincidence here. So what she told us that she wanted to be and do, she pretty much has now lived that five-year journey that she told us. So I always like to, I always like to throw that story out there with Kelsey because so the artists can really think where they're going. So if all bets yep. were off, where do you want to be in five years? I would love to be on my second full-length album, um, I would love to be headlining my own tour, hoping yeah. that uh, that touring is back by then. Um, I would love to be um, one one of my big goals is to play Nissan Field during CMA Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've played some of the smaller stages. We played every other than this year because it was unfortunately canceled. We've yeah. played the last five years and I that's always the dream to play Nissan Field. Yeah. Um right. still writing songs, writing for my, my second album, having it out and touring with some great friends out on the road. Um opening up in the summer with some of these bands that I've looked up to for years. I've always wanted to go back and play um I think it's Hollywood Amphitheater now in St. Louis, but it was it was UMB Bank Pavilion when I was a kid and that's where I used to spend Every summer, just going to see Brad Paisley or Dave Matthews or you know John Mayer, being able to to walk mm. out onto that stage in my hometown would be phenomenal. Wow, that would be awesome. I got two more questions, and then we'll let you get back to what you were doing. Um, let's say you had a friend of yours, and now this would be pre-COVID advice, so keep that in mind. But um, okay. let's say you had a friend, and let's say that you've heard him or her sing. And let's say that they, you can tell they definitely got something special. There is something about them. They've got a great tone and all that. They've played 20, maybe 30 shows. So they haven't done a whole – they're still getting their feet wet, but they've gotten on that stage. They've looked over the crowd, crowds cheering, and they just know. they got that – what every artist says they get, that stage bug, and they just know they're in the right place. They come to you and say, Chris, I feel like I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person to help guide them the next two, three, four years? I would say number one is, and this is what I heard my entire Mm -hmm. career playing music before I moved to Nashville, is that you have to be in Nashville. If if you're playing country music, you have to be in Nashville. If you wanted to do pop or something Mm -hmm. like that, L.A., 
New York, and there's even a big pop scene in Nashville. But you need to surround yourself with mm-hmm. dreamers that are have the same vision as you. Um, you yeah. have to be in it to win it. And being in Nashville and surrounding yourselves with like-minded people was the biggest thing um, in my move to Nashville. Is I wanted to be around the people that saw the mm-hmm. same vision were doing what I wanted to do and have been doing it longer than I had. Um, also yeah. some huge advice that I got was to write about what I know and tell my truth because there's no one else in the world. And also tell your truth the way that you can. Um, mm-hmm. So when I put it down, you know, cruise was the biggest song in the world. But I didn't grow up you know, mm-hmm. riding around in jacked up trucks like yeah. Cruz. That was not my truth. And I love that song yeah. to this day. But don't chase yeah. or compare yourself to somebody else. Just because somebody else is yeah. doing it one way mm-hmm. does not mean that mm-hmm. you're not going to make doing it your own way. And I think not comparing yourself to others just because um, you see their career doing something more so yeah. than yours um, – when mm-hmm. you start comparing yourself to others and wondering, you know, how come I'm doing the same thing that this person is doing, but their career mm-hmm. is a lot further ahead than mine is, that is, that is a cancer um, yep. and will, will slow you down and, and make you, you know, wonder if you're in the right spot. So do not do that at all costs. And uh, yep. it was funny. Somebody told mm-hmm. me that mm-hmm. the music industry is so difficult for people Problem for problem solving people because the music industry <laughs> is one of the only businesses where A plus B might not equal C. Um, you know, I say that all the every, time. Right? Everywhere else, A plus B will equal C, A plus B will equal C, yep. but not here. Not here. So you got to figure out your own way, and it's kind of like a puzzle, and you're just along <laughs> the way collecting puzzle pieces and hope that they line up with the ones you already got. Mm-hmm. And and you know mm-hmm. I love what you're saying there because I remember when we first launched this show I reached out to one of my Nashville friends and for advice on running the show and I think that this kind of leads exactly what you were just saying he said um, he told me the only advice I'd give you is be and stay authentic he said because if he says you could tell every Bobby Bones joke you could tell every Ty Bentley joke and you might pull it off and you might gain some fans. But the day's going to come when authentic Chris comes out. And when that day right. comes, you'll lose every bit of your audience because they were never attracted to authentic Chris. They were attracted to fake Chris. So if Absolutely. you stay and be authentic from the beginning, your show may grow slower, but you'll grow with the right audience. Absolutely. And I've never forgot that. So I'm me. I'm mm-hmm. a conversation. You know, if I had to be one of those people that – that had to ask you a question, you answer it, then I ask a question, then you answer it, and I can't comment back and forth, I'd quit the show. <laughs> I'm I a conversation. It, yeah. <laughs> right. That would, it wouldn't be and fun I, that way. Like right. Some people are like, it's funny, because I've had people say, how in the world can you do 60-minute shows? And I'm like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's easy. Because I've right. had artists tell me, that they can't do 30 minutes, and they, and they come on, and, and we're at 60 minutes about to, about to get off the show, and, and they're like, it's 60 minutes already? <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say, I thought we were just about to hit the 15 minute mark. <laughs> but as we get to our last question here, um, yeah. what is the question that you wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do? Oh, goodness. You know, a lot of hosts, they, they ask the question the other way. A lot of hosts will ask, what do you wish people didn't ask? But I like, I like to know what you wish people would ask because that, that's actually helped build our show. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I love – so it's hard to think about what I haven't been asked. But what I love – this was the first time that somebody's asked me about my team. And mm-hmm. like you said, they don't get the recognition – that they deserve because they're behind the the lines doing this day in and day out, making sure that this ship is running smoothly. And this is the first time that I've been able to talk to talk about them in depth. Uh, And I thought that that was, that was really cool. But thinking of one that that I wish people would ask, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. And we appreciate about the team. 
and we appreciate about the team because again, I, I get it. You know, yes. it takes a team and I want, you know, and I think that was, you know, probably 70 or 80 interviews back. Somebody said oh, yeah, that about the that. team. And I was mm-hmm. like, I, I love, love that. I love that. And so it's been in every episode since. That's a staple mm-hmm. now. Yep. Yes, it is. And, and you know what? You wouldn't believe how many artists tell us that's one of their favorite questions we've asked. I believe it. Yeah, because like I said, they don't get they don't get the recognition that they deserve, and they're the ones, you know, losing sleep just like us when when something goes yep. wrong, and they're the ones celebrating mm-hmm. every small victory and and telling yeah, us they're like, probably even really we don't know when if... something goes wrong. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Because there are probably times where they don't tell the artist everything. They're like, well, we'll handle it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but but if you want, you know, take a few minutes to tell everybody how they can reach you and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's just C H R I S B A N D I. Um we just released a brand new music video today on Father's Day for a song that that is really really special to me called uh, You Would Have Loved Her. Um and hopefully we will be out. Um, you can check tour dates at chrisbandy.com, and hopefully we will be in a city near everybody. I can't wait to get back to Savannah and, and hopefully meet you all in person. Um, but, yeah, give us a that follow. That would be awesome. And, and, uh, and, if we're up up in, and if we're up in Nashville, we'll look you up too. Please do. Yes. Please do. Absolutely. And you, And, you know, we really enjoyed having you on today, you know, and we look forward to having you back down the road. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. I know that this is a a, a family day and a holiday, and I, I really appreciate you all taking the time to chat. No problem. We we thoroughly enjoyed it, and you were awesome. We did. And we think that you're going to yeah. be one of the top artists down the road. Oh, thank yeah. you very much. I got some wood here that I'm knocking on, and I got my fingers crossed. Thank you all so much. <laughs> all right. Thanks we'll for your time. We'll talk to you real soon. Have a great rest of your day. All right, you, you too. too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.